Hello everybody, welcome to Star Talks. I hope you can hear me clearly because I didn't do a second sound test, I went straight forward. But we move, we carry on and we survive. Um, today we are carrying on our BLM series, the first episode featuring Sister Rima, Fatma and myself and Jueri as well that we joined. It was a very informative, very important conversation. And while we're still on the theme, we wanted to continue and now touch upon different um, professions in relation to that. The first episode was a general introduction onto the concept of um, racism, not just what's going on in America, but what's going on in the UK, but in terms of faith and so much other things as well. And today we're specifically focusing on education and um, we'll keep you updated on where the next episodes and um, how the conversation goes because even though social media is not hashtagging anymore and all the newspapers and everything is not as dramatically reporting um, mm-hmm. as really said in the first episode you cannot take a break from being black so for today's episode i'm not alone our guest of this week please introduce yourself and welcome um, thank you, Ifra and Joadia. Um, yeah, my name's Evil, um, and yeah, and I'm glad to be um, talking to you um, about the issues. I think thrusted into the spotlight recently more than ever, and I think mm. it's just it's just um, taken a very the momentum has been um, unbelievable, and I think it's actually needed. And um, even though um, obviously there are some areas that are that could have been handled better, but I think definitely this conversation was needed, and it came at a, a, a certain you know the timing was definitely yeah. um, was welcomed, and yeah, and I um, uh, and I think we need to have a more deeper conversation of how um, this conversation can be um, extended to education and our yes. youth, because I of think course. it's yeah I think that's a, a very um, uh, area that I, um, I've experienced and um, I've seen and I think it's needed um, to be um, a spotlight to be put on. Yes and inshallah we'll be talking about that in yes. greater detail and um, I'm really really glad that you have joined us to um, talk about it but before yeah. we touch upon this moment in time I want to kind of jump back into your childhood and your yeah. introduction to education uh, how was school for you um a school for me growing up alhamdulillah I was um I, I, coming from because I was actually born in Somalia so I yeah. came here when I was about three months old um oh so there was me and my siblings two of my siblings so um the area we lived in was predominantly um, was predominantly white. The school that we went into it was um, actually, I think, we were the only it was us and another um, family that was Somali. Yeah. So it was like really, um, it wasn't um, very integrated. But I didn't experience any racism firsthand, thank, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. Um, but it was um, it was really uh, the education side was good. However, um, I could say that. Um, what I've seen and have continued to see right um, as in it happens now is mm. in terms of when you're cho- uh, choosing your subject so I think year nine is um, when I if I'm uh, remembering quite because uh, this was so long ago I feel old now 
Um, if I remember correctly, I think it was year nine when we had our um, subject choices. So I think yeah. at that point in time is when I realised, okay, something's quite off here. Because at, right. I don't know, if, uh, as a child, um, we, we were not aware of racism, to be honest. Um, mm. um, I wasn't growing up, to be honest. I didn't experience it um, firsthand. Um, and, I, I, and I wasn't, to be honest, I came from a Somali household and we weren't educated on racism. We don't talk about racism. Um, I, I can't speak for all Somali households, but my household, um, I wasn't uh, educated in that sense about racism specifically so mm. to be honest i can looking back at it now i can say okay that is that comes up borderline racism if that makes sense right. um yeah looking back now um and say okay that that didn't seem quite right so where i um experienced it was um subject choices i would get comments from teachers saying um no this is a bit too much for you so i, I would i loved science i would want to go for triple science and then I would get a comment, oh no, I think that's too much for you. Um, I think you should stick with this and kind of limiting my, my choices and kind of limiting what I would want to do and um, kind of put, you know, actually my expectations and what, and what I was, I was limited. There was actually, um, I was told I, I'm not able, I couldn't do it, if that makes right. sense. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, that's one thing I noticed and looking back at it and I still um, have no, I've still noticed it especially with um, personally with um, my kids and um, also my um, uh, my siblings so I get comments right. of like oh that's a bit too much or when you go to parents evening and um, I I'm one of those parents that <laughs> I want my kids you know <laughs> to aim high like I always say yeah. aim for the sky and you know whatever you get as least you know you put 100% in so yeah, you um, tried your best. Exactly. So when I go to meetings and I've, I'm asking um, kind of teachers, okay, how is she doing? Or how's my daughter doing? Oh, she's doing perfectly. And, and then I get the grades and that. And I'm like, oh, okay, but what can, what can I do at home to make her, you know, get push her a bit higher? You know, I'm one of those parents that I want yeah. always, you know, to do the best. And I get, and I get comments like, no, she's fine as she is. Uh, but there's no need. And, you know, I find that offensive. Um, yeah. I personally, because I think you shouldn't limit people's um as in the, what if they are willing to go higher and they're willing to try and they're willing to push themselves and i think you should put limitations on them and i think that comes down to um what i've experienced um i think it's systematic i think um that there is disparity among students and education mm -hmm. and especially how they're treated so yeah. i think yeah coming back to yeah my childhood i think that's the only side i experienced it um, yeah. looking back at it now yeah that you know sense. you said something really interesting and I think mm -hmm. that kind of has an impact on how children are able to understand and survive when they are met with with prejudice in school yeah uh, I think it's important that we educate our um our children and ourselves on what racism is because even though we might think it doesn't impact us or it's something of, uh, you know, it's something too far, you know, um, far removed from you as a society or, or whatever reason there is that you don't discuss it. I think it's important that you educate your children and you just tell them of what exists. So at least they, they are prepared. They are prepared in the environment. 
and they know how to kind of defend themselves as it were or kind of notice um no that's nothing on me i'm i, I i'm able i'm capable it's it's more of how that person's perspective is if that makes sense so i think yeah. it's good yeah i think it's good um because that 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 was a um an issue with me when i was um in education like okay am i not good enough am i not smart enough because i would see um i'm not as in I, it's good to highlight it but in the most respectful ways i was seeing a boost to kind of um uh, my asian classmates um, were getting um, accepted into the more cl the classes that they chose or, or, or triple science or, or double maths or whereas in women when I would approach it I was no you know I think that's too much for you I, I think that's too much for you to handle if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. and we discussed it as um with my classmates we definitely discussed it and we, we, we amongst ourselves and we realized it as well we saw it amongst ourselves have you had that conversation with your children? Um, yes, uh, to be honest, I actually, um, one thing I did wrong, um, I thought that there was kind of um, an age, kind of an appropriate age to teach the children. And that's where I had a mistake. I made a mistake personally, because I waited until my daughter, I think she was nine or 10 before I started discussing it with her. And I actually thought that was an appropriate age because that's when she understands things. And I didn't want to kind of introduce that burden on her. If I'm, Because to be honest, for her to be, um, to be informed about racism will affect her forever. And she will start saying, okay, but why are we treated this way? You know, it will have, even though she's informed, it might have a negative effect on her. And, she, and that might upset my, um, my child. So I thought, even though I want to inform her, I want to wait until she was a bit older. Right. But... Um, I've noticed in my daughter, which is in reception, is picking up on stuff. Like she would make comments. Um, she would come home one day and say, mama, um, how come I'm black and my friend's white? Or mum, why, why can't, and she actually, my daughter went as uh, far and I don't know what, what she, I asked her, but the children can't comprehend. I think they pick up on things subconsciously. But my daughter actually came home one day and said, mama, um, she got a cream and she put it on her skin. She said, mom, I want to have this skin color. And it was a white cream. Wow. And she's five years old. And that upset me. And I, I answered, why would you, why would you want to change your skin color into Sada, um, my daughter? And then um, she was like, but mama, because I like this one, this is better. So she doesn't understand. So obviously she's picked up, picked up on something in her environment in school yeah. that has made her think that this color skin color is superior or skin color is better or or she wants to change her skin color but she couldn't exactly tell me in words what it was but then i realized i did a mistake i should have educated her from a young age and because i do tell her i tell her you're beautiful you're um, I, I'm always mentioning, um, like we have our little um, power talks in the morning and um, we literally greet each other and we, we, I, like affirmations, if you were. But yeah. I, I haven't discussed racism or skin colour with my children at a young but age. You and I shouldn't think, have yeah. to, do you know what I mean? And that's the sad reality of it. Like, yeah. The fact that, mashallah, you are doing what you're supposed to be doing as a parent by giving her that positive affirmations and letting her yeah. know that she's beautiful as she is. That is what you are supposed to be doing. When it comes yeah. to the matters of understanding the complexity of the colour of their skin and, and you know, yeah. all of these things, that is, for a five-year-old, it is yeah. way too much. But unfortunately, that is yeah. the environment that these children are being raised in, which exactly. is unfair, yeah. but that's the thing. So for any parent who's listening, and for yourself as well, who's a bit like, 
what do yeah. I do in that conversation? What did you do that worked for you that can possibly help another person? Um, with my daughter, I just sat her down. At first, it shocked me. I was speechless, to be honest, because um, I haven't, my older daughter, who um, there's a six year um, age gap, I hadn't experienced this with her. So this was a first for me. I, to, honest, to be honest, I was actually, actually speechless. I didn't know how to approach it. I didn't know what to say. I was just gobsmacked. Like, what has my daughter been subjected to in her environment for her to want to change her skin color that was my yeah. first question like it must yeah. have been something so profound and um that would make her think that and then i um then i just i literally sat down uh, after the, just calming myself down thinking that i need to kind of talk to her and i told her i said i said listen your skin is beautiful um allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you like this and mm. you no one can change the beauty in Allah's eyes and the way that you have been Allah, Allah you know makes its own creations and you should always be um um kind of grateful and say alhamdulillah and um you have your you know you, you can see you have your senses you have your um kind of your feet your le you know you have your your healthy so I, in that sense i was um explaining to her what good about her body and what's good about her skin color and how she's beautiful the way she is and she shouldn't try and change that because Allah made everyone different yeah I like I that it was about yeah. spirituality as well as everything yes. but the holistic yes. definition of how you explained her creation of beauty to her because that complexity isn't of confusion of what do I exactly say what do we because some people think oh I need to bring in racism I need to bring in I need to bring in politics no no no, no. just be simple with your child and whether you're a person of faith like you just beautifully used yours or a person of non-faith there is an angle where you can bring all the things that make that child beautiful and let them realize that that's what makes them them and i really like that. yeah yeah and because to be honest um, i can tell you i didn't know how to approach it because i don't know who expects your child to come home and 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 say that so it, it literally yeah. took me off balance uh, I, I didn't know how to approach it that was the only thing I thought yeah. that was really good and I hope um, it helps um, other parents who are stuck with that conversation because there are many many who are stuck with that conversation and I hope it helps them yeah but um, I want to kind of um, touch upon your thoughts on kids who feel like their skin color or their culture is disconnecting them from a teacher and those teachers see them as limitless like you said at the beginning based on yeah. that skin color and that could be with behavior or with academic attainment or with like anything right and mm. the teacher just doesn't connect with this child at all for some bizarre reason and yeah. do you think it's because of the color of the skin and culture or is it just dislike that they have for this particular child no i to be honest i think um I think it's more of they are they they don't know how this child has been they don't know the experiences that this child has experienced or if to be honest um because I can tell you one thing um my daughter and I'm not limiting it and this is just my experience mm. I just want to add that everyone has different experiences but my experience uh, was my daughter's teacher this is the first time that my um daughter um had a um white teacher I'm not putting on the teacher. The teacher's absolutely beautiful. She's, um, uh, we love her. But um, this is the first time that she had a white teacher. Um, and 
all other teachers were actually from um, black uh, backgrounds, whether mm -hmm. that be um, uh, different backgrounds, but as in black and um, ethnic minorities. Mm -hmm. And I question that. Now, I don't know if that had an impact, but I do question that. That is it something she's getting from, she's picking up on from the teacher side. So that is really relevant what you said, because sometimes I think it is, it could be connected to the teachers. Um, maybe they're unknowingly doing it. Um, maybe there's some people that are knowingly doing it, but I think that because they haven't experienced it, and it comes down to privilege as well. Sometimes when someone doesn't um, experience things, they don't understand it and they could put yeah. it down to, yeah, they can just dismiss it, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Mm. yeah, definitely. I think I was talking to someone else the other day about um, teachers who go from academics straight into, they study education and they get a degree mm. in education, no matter how high their degree status is, then they go into working in schools, especially in, in a London boroughs, where they're yeah. now expected to interact with children from so many different cultures that they don't understand and they've never interacted with. And they're coming from the robotic mindset of textbook education instead of yeah. people education, if that makes sense. So that yeah. when this child misbehaves, they look at what the textbook says or what the yeah. book says or what the policy says instead of fully understanding this child as a human being. I think that's yeah. what's essentially missing from yeah. the teacher's connection with children because yeah. every mm. child is not the same like you're maybe no. like when you just spoke about privilege like there are teachers who are from privileged backgrounds and they've gained amazing degrees and amazing knowledge but when mm. you're now going to an education in a multicultural city you have to be able to understand that not yeah. every child comes from the same house you know exactly. and because exactly. whatever that child brings from that house to that classroom can have an impact on who they are Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that, that's an important um, uh, point as well, because I've noticed that um, they, they do kind of box it into other, um, into boxes. So, uh, so an example would be, I, um, I was just reading up on exclusions and, um, and um, uh, suspensions. And, mm. uh, and it really bothered me that there was an actual a chart for um, children on um, on uh, uh, free school meals, right, and that right. the, that the children with um, the most ex uh, children that was suspended were children with um, uh, accepting uh, free school meals, basically, and that was like about seventy to thirty percent. So seventy percent of school exclusions, example, um, were coming were coming from households with free school meals. Now, to me, um, and that was coming from a government website. Now, the numbers I'm using are seventy to thirty. That's just my um, kind of number that I kind of just put out there. But um, the actual numbers, um, I'll uh, I'll probably link up for you um, if you want to add it to the podcast. Yeah. But this was coming from a government website. And I found that really, really offensive and discouraging because I didn't understand why they were linking um, free, why they were linking, you know, I'm not being naive. I know they've obviously done a lot of research but why does that have to matter? Why does it, does that make sense to you? Why yeah. does it matter if they're getting free school meals and how is that connected to behavior? Um, right. I think even there at the outright, that's telling you this, um, this um, children that come from poor backgrounds or um, unprivileged backgrounds or, or from bad neighborhoods or from, uh, you know, um, certain areas or accepting or their parents are not earning enough are yeah. automatically 
misbehaves. So when a teacher yeah. sees those kind of um, those kind of statistics, then that's going to impact the way she sees children. So if she see um, if they they see a children misbehaving, they say, like, "Oh, that person's on a free school meal, so that's probably why." And they're most likely um, going to act up if that makes sense. So it's it kind of it impacts. So I think we have to be careful as well of how um, we approach um, statistics and how we kind of group students together and automatically assume this child's misbehaving because of that reason, if that makes sense. Children are wow. all different. They have tantrums. Yeah, as, yeah, as a mum, I can tell you, my child will, will just, if they're tired, just for being tired, they can yeah. have like a tantrum. That's nothing yeah. to do with what I'm earning, nothing to do with um, the food I'm feeding them. They're just tired. They're just energy mm -hmm. levels. And, I'm sh and grown ups get like that when someone's overworked or, or having a bad day or something impact environments is not necessarily the only thing. It can just be a human, you know, a human thing as in, um, yeah. and, you know, and that's one thing we need to consider um, is that a, a, a child is, 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 is essentially a child for some there's can be different reasons why they're acting up and sometimes it could be that they're, they're just you know not bothered yeah. or they're just you know yeah. it's just you know yeah. and that's one thing that i i find really offensive and i find that needs a big overhaul yeah and i mm. think that's a really good transition which kind of leads on to the really important um, story that i wanted you to share with us of yeah. your brother's experience if you're comfortable with because when you first told me i went through a roller coaster of emotions. I was so angry. I was yeah. so sad, and then I ended up being so proud at the end. So, yeah. please um, share with us the experience that he went through um, with, um, with the school mm -hmm. system. Yeah. Um. So I've, I've asked uh, my brother for permission to tell his story, and he he said that's fine as long as I obviously leave out his name and the school's name, just of for course, kind of, of his. Course. Yeah. So um, I will um leave those two out, but I will tell you his story. Um, it's it basically this happened in two thousand, and I think it was seventeen to two thousand and nineteen. Mm -hmm. So it was about two to three years that we were going through this um my um it started when my brother was in year eight i think or year nine so year nine and then it, it continued until his gcse's um my my brother was um a typical boy boisterous he loved um you know making friends he actually changed schools because of the area um we actually had to um I think it was a waiting list my mum had to be put through so then we found a school close to us so I think he joined that school in year eight and I'm, sh I'm sure you can imagine it's very hard for children to make friends um during joining a new school part of like the second year um so my brother at first had difficulties making friends and then he he literally um he transitioned after that he was fine but just that part he was kind of um there was he was labeled just label and a labeling came as a troublesome child um right, he, right. he was uh he was getting detention and he was um getting um uh what sorry um i think it was when they get sent to um oh report that's it he was put on report and it was just because he was having um, difficulties with a couple of boys picking on him. So he was the one getting bullied, but he was always get reprimanded. And that's what bothered us. Um, and he was obviously a new school, the new kids. So he, there were, we knew there were going to be issues 
of you know child these are children they, they you know bullying exists we're not going to mm-hmm. kind of um water it down bullying does yeah. exist of course but um um so uh moving on he um he was reprimanded for um uh, things that were happening to him and as a new kid i don't know why he was labeled and we just thought okay you know what we'll, we'll take it on the chin there's nothing to it so he joined my mum actually um put him on to um the cadets so he joined the police cadets um he was going to after school clubs his grades started improving he he had a good group of friends and that definitely impacted on his learning as well so he he was really good um and then all, uh, all of a sudden and um, the bullying just started increasing and he was actually targeted by one a, a teacher's daughter and this is a teacher in his actually in his actual school so um she targeted him and uh, continuously and my obviously my brother was is born uh, our family is eight girls and two boys sorry seven girls and two boys <laughs> Um, so there's nine of us, nine of us. So we are essentially seven girls and he's two boys. So he knows how to respect girls. He respects right. girls. He's, he's come from a group, a family of, he's the youngest. So he knows how to live with girls. So he obviously said, no, I'm going to respect you. This is a girl. So it, um, it became really unbearable for him. And, um, one incident that was that he um, got excluded um, for um, that was actually the highlight and we realized okay something's not right um, this is actually a bit more than we thought it's not bullying it's actually racism and it's coming from the teacher um, so I think to be honest I think she was Turkish I'm not sure um, but this is relevant because we actually we actually think it was racism that's why I'm mentioning it because there was racial tones and slurs used against my brother so that's why I'm mentioning it and so um uh one uh so one evening uh, I think it was around two ish two o'clock just before he was let off from school um a teacher came to my brother and um collected him and took him to a, a said the I think she was a deputy head if I'm correct said the deputy head of the school wants to see you and come with me and my brother was like, why, what's happened? Um, and he said, nope, just come with me. You'll find out when you go there. So he was taken to this class and um, he was waiting for her for about, he, about 30 to 40 minutes. He was just sitting there. Um, and he kept asking the teacher, okay, wh- where is she? When is she coming? It's home time. And my mum used to collect him at this point. And um, that day my mum told him, be, I'm, I can't collect you, so be home at that certain time. Um, so I know that you're okay because my mom used to work in the evenings as well. So um, she said, I want you home at that certain time. So he kept telling the teacher, my mom wants me home at a certain time. I need to go. Can we not just do this tomorrow? So then he said, he, uh, the teacher radioed the teacher and she came in and he found out it was actually the, the girl that had been bullying him's mom. So she approached him. And um, at this point, when she approached him, she um, said, I want you to write a statement. And um, he um, asked her what the statement was for. And she said, of what happened? And he said, nothing happened. And she said, no, something happened. I want you to write a statement. And my brother actually, um, he was, he was, uh, if that, is it okay if I actually read his statement? Because I've got it in front of me. Yes, please. It's because, yes. yes, because the statement, because um, the words and that she used is what's horrified us. And wow. um, yeah, so I'll, I'll show you, I'll just read his statement. This is first hand account of his um, words. Right. So I was in uh, my form class when Nick picked me up and told me 
that uh, that Miss R wanted to speak to me. So he took me to her office and she wasn't there at the moment in time. So we sat down and waited in her office. It was about three o'clock when Miss R called Nick and told him to tell me to write a statement about what happened with a girl today with her daughter. I told him that I, what he was talking about because nothing had happened with S that day. He said, it's fine. She's on her way. And around 3.05, I asked, sir, how long um, is she going to take? Because I've, I need to be home by 3.30. He said, she's on her way. So I waited and waited and waited. Finally, the bell went to go home. I told Nick that we've been waiting for 15 to 20 minutes. And now my mum wants me home at 3.30. He then said, she's on her way. So I just waited patiently. Finally, Miss R came to the office at around 3.30. Outside the sentence and said, it's fine. You don't have to write a statement if you don't want to. I then said, all right, I can go now then. When she grabbed her radio and pushed herself against the door and said, you ain't going nowhere. I then said, Miss, I need to go home. Can you please move? She then came right up to my face and said, what? are you going to do little boy? I then said, I ain't going to do nothing miss. I just want to go home. And I sat back on the table. She then started shouting at me saying that I'm not going to leave her office and started to, to um, use words as idiot. Even, even said that my grades are too low, which I found really rude. And I replied what, that I've probably got um, higher grades than your daughter and told her that I don't like her. She then said, you don't, you don't write my paychecks, honey. As she started to laugh, I then said that I probably get more money than her. And she said, where do you get the money from? And gave me a, a funny look, which made me uncomfortable. I felt like she was trying to imply something. I then replied, my mum. She then started to intimidate me and coming right up to my face and asked me, what are you going to do, little boy? even threatening me and said that I was going to get nicked if I tried to open the door. Moments later, she radioed Mr. R and told him to come to her office. I felt really unsafe when she did and because there was already two staff members in that room with me. So a third uh, staff member was on the way. Miss R and Nick and, Miss, um, and uh, uh, Mr. R were coming, were coming in and Miss R walked towards me and physically pushed me backwards. I then said, you're not allowed to do that. When she replied, yes, I can. And she started to smile. At that moment of time, I felt really uncomfortable and unsafe in that room. So I quickly went to the door and opened it and ran out as fast as I could. Um, Miss R tried to grab me before another member of staff came and told them to let go. I then left the school and went home as fast as I could. Me and my friends feel like Miss R has been targeting us since in an incident with her daughter back in year eight. She's always been trying to get us in some kind of trouble for absolutely no reason. And that's the end of the statement. So, wow. um, yeah, so um, that was quite long, but it's just, it's so powerful um, when you read this. Now, I have no words, yeah. I feel numb. Yeah. Oh my God. So this, after this incident, my mom uh, said, okay, that's unbelievable. We, we actually went to the school he was suspended. Um, he was suspended. And he my was mom, suspended. Yes, he was suspended for um, leaving the premises or some, uh, some absolutely obscene reason. In which point we said enough was enough. We contacted um, Communities Empowerment Network. 
which yeah. are um, lawyers. They they are um, they are lawyers that help children in, in education that get unfairly excluded and suspended. Right. Um, now um, he uh, I will basically um, he uh, our lawyer uh, was very helpful. He actually found that there was not that the lawfulness of this incident and also the um, procedure had irregularities and it was unlawful right and he he presented this to the head teacher um and the and after that they backed down um they unlawfully um excluded him Mm. and they sent him home without the the actual there's procedures to go if you're going to exclude a child you mustn't um, let me just read the north so any decision to 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 include exclusion must be made in line with principles of administration law so informal or unofficial exclusions such as sending a pupil home to call off are unlawful regardless of whether they occur with the agreement of parents or carers any exclusion of pupils even for a short period of time must be formally recorded so my brother was at home seven days and we weren't formally notified he wow. wasn't given any school he wasn't given any schoolwork there was no official letter sent to us. We just got a phone call saying he's not allowed to come into school. So that was unlawful exclusion. And the lawyer presented that to the teacher. And um, so, so this kind of, the, like to sum up, Ifra, um, this, this incident actually showed us that we, one, you need to believe your child. Mm-hmm. One, you have to trust your child. And number two, mm-hmm. you have to follow if if you're not familiar with procedures and school procedures there are people and charities and local organizations that will help parents yeah. and that it was proven as soon as we sent the details it was proven that what happened to my brother was unlawful and there was and the procedure was um was not was basically irregular the procedure was not followed so that's my three takeaways if we never trusted my brother when he came running to us he was out of breath he was crying he was in shock he was cornered by three adults um this i think he was in year nine um i think he was yeah about 13 14 so he's a child and he Mm. was cornered in a off in a room three adults told he wasn't allowed to leave and he was intimidated essentially and Mm. the procedure that followed after that he was punished for something that they did to him um, so that's the part that yeah, I was yeah. when I said to you earlier that I went through anger and like different emotions that's the yeah. part that made me so completely furious the fact that did he yeah. say like at the beginning when he explained what happened in that room or was he just randomly excluded just because he ran out of school no he ran out of school and, he, and we got a phone call saying he's not allowed to return to school and no explanation no we never got an explanation we never got a phone call that and the phone call was actually from i think it wasn't even a teacher to be honest i think it was one of the teachers um teacher personal assistants or the head teacher's personal assistant there was no explanation and he was at home seven days my mom tried to get a meeting she tried to go to the school and then when we got the lawyers involved and we demanded a meeting that's when they sent us a letter an email on a weekend And when the lawyer found out, he was saying that this is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, how do you even communicate with parents on a weekend? (laughs) It's about exclusion. I mean, they were trying to kind of cover their tracks. And my mom was so good that she kept 
all the letters that were posted to her. Um, so he was excluded on like, say the 20 something of uh, January. So 25th or 27th of January. And we got a letter of exclusion, a formal letter on the 5th of February. So my mum wow. kept the letter, the postmark. We had that for evidence. We literally went in an official way. We took it with us and that was all presented to them. And wow. so they couldn't deny it. And that's one thing that we need to, and I, and if we never believed my brother and because sometimes when you see, um, uh, when you see kind of, uh, teachers or any kind mm -hmm. of professional approach you or talk to you, um, as a parent, you think, okay, you know, respect them and believe they know what they're best. saying, yeah, they know best. But in actual fact, I think trust your instincts and trust your child, know your child, don't dismiss them. And I no matter, a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really thing. good. And I, I want to ask you so much in detail about, um, like, kind of like what afterwards, what happened, and where he is now. Really, really love it if you could summarize with us on where he yes. is now and the actions that your family have followed, which is so important. And I feel like if your yeah. family, if he didn't have his siblings as you guys and his yeah. mother's record of everything, that he would have been another lost statistic. Mm, I totally agree, and I can tell you, um. In that experience, um, I think it was after that incident, my brother was um, attacked by a group of children inside the school. And um, one of his friends was excluded as well. And he was Somali. And his mum, and I remember he was excluded. He was sent home. It was actually in year 11. And he missed his prom. He wasn't allowed to attend revision classes. And there was so much things happening to him. And I remember he would come to our house and he would just cry and was really upset of the way he was being treated. And I asked him, I said, where is your where are your parents? Why have, have they not gone to the school? Why are they not chasing this up? They need to, they need to um, approach the school. And he said, they, my mum doesn't even know. No one's even told her. My mum has no idea I've been excluded. So I think that's one thing that it's, it, that I've seen and I've noticed is that because the schools have authority, we, we don't challenge them. And sometimes when a child's sent home, that's it. You just sit there and you reprimand your child. You say, that's it. You're, you know, you're grounded. You're staying at home. But we don't follow up and we, we're not proactive. And we don't actually say, okay, but why was my child? Was the correct procedure being followed? Was it lawful? And those are the questions we need to ask ourselves, essentially. Yes. So what did, um, what did your family do then when, this, um, when um, the lawyer came into it and um, the case was started? What happened? Yes. What, what, did anything change? Yes, um, to be honest, um, in regards to this case, it was handled. My, um, uh, bro uh, my brother was, he was brought back to school, um, but um, we wanted him back, um, brought back immediately. But the head teacher said, um, he he has to finish his um a suspension but he won't be excluded he'll be allowed back because at um they had this thing where he's actually excluded he's not coming back at all but when we got the lawyer involved um he was they were told okay finish this suspension of the seven days and then you can come back because he needs some kind of sort of a punishment we're not going to allow it because there was an altercation um he he left he barged past the, um, the teacher and he ran out and that was an altercation in their side. Um, they did, they did um, agree that the teacher should not have confined him. She should not have locked the door. And that was actually illegal. 
and um, they did, the head teacher did speak to the teacher and he did say that they're going to train the teachers on how to handle um, ha handle that kind of environment and how they shouldn't be locking doors um, especially um, as my brother was actually he felt he felt claustrophobic and there was three of them with a locked door so I, I can imagine you can imagine how that would make a child feel so he said that they will they would implement and um, implement reforms um, but that the, the what came out of the lawyer was that he wasn't permanently excluded and um, but they wanted him to take seven days um, suspension does that make sense but why seven, what, what's the thing with seven days like um, you yeah. barged past the teacher and you left ran out teacher. yes and yeah that, that and that resulted in seven days of suspension without any schoolwork yeah. or explanation yeah. to the family. Yes, and the lawyer did say um, that it's the school, while, um, he, uh, like his comments was, whilst the, an exclusion may still be an appropriate sanction, the head teacher should take into account that any contribution, contributing factors that are identified and poor behaviour um, that kind of occurs should be taken into account so he said the head teacher has taken account that the teacher caused the provocation and that the fact that she was the daughter sorry um she was the mother of one of the students so she shouldn't have been in that environment she shouldn't have handled it she shouldn't have even got herself involved she should have removed herself from it so um the lawyer saying they took that into account but this teacher is alleging when he barged past that she was hurt and the head teacher said, if I'm not, so the words he used was, if I'm not taking um, the fact that he barged past my um, uh, teacher seriously, then I'm opening that to students can potentially kind of, um, so he came with that argument, uh, potentially assault teachers and not have reprimanded and not be reprimanded. If that makes sense, right, right. So okay. that's and, the and all of say, the other things yeah. were um, ignored. The fact that the child was yes. in a locked room with teachers. The fact that the person dealing with the situation had a personal vendetta against him. The fact that you know it was emotional reaction that got him to do that, and the fact yeah. that he repeatedly said, "I feel uncomfortable and I want to leave." All yes. of that was ignored. Yeah, and um, the the lawyer put to him, he said, "Why?" Um, why did she firstly ask him to the office? Because that was that was not proven until now. Um, why she um, summoned him to her office, and why she locked or barred the door to prevent him leaving, and why has no why no explanation was given to us um, of why he was suspended or excluded for at least I think yeah a week and a half. So all of those things were addressed by the t um, the, the school, and they didn't have the head teacher apologised. He did say they literally because they never had an explanation what they had emphasis on and the only thing that they kind of had against us was he barged past the teacher running out of the room and that right. was that was the thing they had over my brother if that makes sense and yeah. everything else was unfounded and the teacher and the head teacher um, the lawyer answered the head teacher well what have you done to put in place um, safeguarding for so this doesn't happen again and he did say he was sending that teacher to a safeguard um, to sorry a training and also that um, students, that door shouldn't have been locked. And they know that, but he's going to reinforce that training as well. So he said that he's putting things, safeguarding and practices and train the, the kind of the teachers. And that's, that's what we got, basically. <laughs> Do you know what? I actually wrote yeah. down a question mark here where I said, if the child was excluded for um, barging past the 
teacher do the teachers get like some sort of suspension for their actions as well exactly (laughs) exactly and and it was proven it was put to them in the letter that they that they unlawfully excluded him and that's why and that's the other thing like it's the school can just exclude a student that quickly yeah, that. without considering the facts and figures and that disrupted my my um, brother because um going on to year 11 my brother eventually didn't sit his gccs because even though that was sorted and we took lawyers and we sorted that incident there yeah. were uh, that he had a kind of um, a troublesome kind of a stamp on him that he was labeled um and that he was a troublesome student even though yeah, that was founded to ask how did it yeah. impact him like moving forward thankfully he had teachers that would support him that would argue for him and that would um his head of year until this like he always tells my mum he actually said to us he took, he took us to a corner and he said I see the mistakes but I can't do anything I can't speak up and he was an ethnic minority he was he was actually a, a black teacher that's saying this to us and all the other teachers were white so racism yeah. does yeah. exist and I, it's sad to say and um, uh, even though it, I, I feel I feel ashamed just mentioning it to be honest I feel I feel uneasy just mentioning color I don't know why that is but it just that's how I feel because I don't I don't understand why people should be measured on their skin color and be unfairly especially a child especially a child and be unfairly yeah. targeted so it affected my brother. He went on to fail all his GCSEs because he couldn't sit them. Not because he actually attempted it. He just couldn't even sit them. Um, and um, the reason being in his last year, he was attacked by 20 students and it was on camera um, in the schoolyard and not one teacher um, not one teacher was there. And this is the schoolyard and he was taken to the A&E in ambulance. He had a concussion. He had a large gash to his head. And it took the teachers a, a, a while to break it up. And that was the other thing that was really worrying for us. And he ended up getting suspended for that, for having a gas no. I swear. And you know why? Um, I, so that's the thing. He got suspended again and we got the lawyers in again. Um, so it was, it's the thing that once you're labelled, even though we, we proved our point, even though it was founded that they were, they were legally excluding him, they still had that kind of um, target or I don't know how to say it. They, they still have this thing where he's a troublesome child. No, it's he's in the wrong, even though their practices are wrong. Their safeguarding is at, at, was shambolic. And there was no one looking after for my brother in that educational institution, to be honest. There was and you none. Said this was on camera, so people could have viewed yes. the incident. Well, at yes. And yes. And people were involved. Yes, he had, if I can tell you, he had footprints. So we met him at the hospital. We were told an ambulance has come. He's, he was in and out of consciousness. He's been taken to the hospital. My brother had footprints on his clothes, like different footprints all over his clothes. And the fact that, um, and that was racial. Um, they were using racial um, slurs at him. And the school refused um, to believe it. They said, no, it's just boys being boys. Um, they suspended him because um, when the teachers broke this apart, they took him to, um, he lost consciousness, so they took him to the first aid and they called the ambulance. And on the way to the first aid room, two teachers were holding him up and three of the boys approached towards him in the corridor. And my brother, in and out of consciousness, saw the boys coming towards him. He automatically thought they're coming towards him and he threw a punch and a scuffle started and a scuffle started and that got caught on camera. 
and they said even what they the mistake that the teachers made is those students should never have been anywhere near my brother and they shouldn't have been anywhere anywhere near that corridor and why were they even there so they must have been looking for him so they my brother was in fight mode he's adrenaline he's bleeding he's, he's confused he sees the boys coming towards him again and he just threw a punch and I, we totally, we, uh, we sat there and we said what he did was justified because he was attacked by 20 of them. And for you to suspend him, they said there were teachers present. He should have never threw a punch. And that's the only reason they suspended him. So even, so, you know, they're knocking him down. They literally, they, they broke my brother. They, they broke my brother so badly. And even though we had lawyers, even though we investigated, there was constant investigations, we were only preventing exclusion, but the systematic abuse and racism were always present. So what happened after that? So we got the lawyer involved again and um, they, he went with us and he explained to them why is, um, why is he getting suspended? And they explained, we have it on camera, both incidents. One of the boys, only one boy that threw a rock, sorry, because we asked why my brother had a gash on his head in the playground and they, and they caught on camera the boy throwing a rock at him and hitting him over the head with a rock. So that boy was permanently excluded. The rest were not. So the rest, apparently, they sat there and they had the audacity to tell us that these boys are doing their GCSEs. We don't think it's appropriate to expel them. We, uh, we think they should just have a suspension and come back. We were... I, absolutely in shock because we was they were more interested in how those boys um and they were all from white and um they were not ethnic minority to be honest they were right. they were sorry no um I'm saying they're white and turkish so there were no black students in that so my brother was targeted because of his skin color and because he was somali now they refused the racial motive so then thankfully my brother was being um he was getting attacked on social media and he screen recorded one of the boys well i think two of them you know saying racial slurs which i don't want to repeat and um and um just uh just calling him names using racial slurs and we screen recorded that we took it back to the school and we said listen this is the evidence you wanted and we have it we we did we filed police reports we spoke to the police nothing was done an investigation was done but nothing else um the police said like there's nothing else that we, we, we the investigation basically is closed um and the school when they found that they permanently excluded the second boy when they had that evidence um, and that my brother was told he wasn't allowed to come to um, revision classes um, he wasn't allowed to go to prom um, and for no reason there was no other incident that was the only incident so this during the exam period they, for some reason they said you know what you're too problematic trouble seems to follow you um, and um, you're not allowed to come to revision classes I want you to stay home he wasn't allowed to sh sign his shirt he was humiliated in front in the school assembly. He was told to get up and he was told um, to, that he had to leave the school premises for no reason oh whatsoever. And yeah, so all of that followed. And at that point, my mom decided that's it. Enough is enough. I wanted, she wanted him to, she didn't want to give up. She didn't want him, them to push him out of the school. But I think it was his mental um, state that we had to consider now. And if I, I can tell you, one of the things I've noticed is why are our Somali boys ending up in um, um, leaving education? And, all, and most of them 
are leaving school because this is the kind of treatment they're getting. My brother could have easily ended up in a gang. He could have easily ended up on the wrong side of, um, of the law because when a, st- a child is being pushed out of their um, school, has been attacked in school, has been is unable to sit there just to see what is left for them to do, but to kind of just go and go on the streets. Yeah. Now that's the kind of moment when gangs kind of pry on that specific moment because they're yeah. listening. You're yeah. this, you're that, you're this, if you don't defend yourself. We exactly. can defend you if you join us. Yeah. Because after school, we can get these people for you. So essentially, I think there definitely, um, there's, there's similarities in GCC period time, exam period time. Um, young black boys getting unfairly um, suspended or even small disruptive behavior being taken to another level where I'm not saying that they're, they're not, then the, there's no blame there or there's no problems but the punishment outweighs what's happened so it's taken extremely yes it's taken extremely and then taking account these are exam periods so is this purpose are they doing this on purpose are they really trying to disrupt these young boys lives when they should be at be to become a teacher you want to you want children you want to educate children that's why you become a teacher but i've noticed time over time hearing people's stories that young black boys are getting suspended or um, unfairly treated closer to exam periods and that makes you wonder why is that yeah you know what i think sometimes i don't know if anyone else has spoken about this but this particular story has and i hope people who are listening to this have kind of gone through what we're going through as we're listening to this as well you yeah. know there's something not quite right you see things and you hear things and but when you listen to a story as powerful as this yeah it makes every suspicion that we had kind yeah. of like a reality if that makes sense and yeah. in light and this is when you said earlier this is the perfect time to have this conversation we are going to do the final summary now this kind of conversation is so important that our usual schedule hour of one hour podcast episodes doesn't quite cover it. I wanted to pay respect to her brother's beautiful, powerful, powerful story that needed to be heard, as well as how it links with um, other children who are impacted. And um, I was reading an article on The Independent that said UK schools have targeted black children for generations the education system is overdue for a reckoning. The article is by a beautiful lady called Cuba, Shan de Baptiste. I don't know if I said it properly, but her social media is at Cubed. And I really, really urge you to go to the independent, that news um, online, and it's there. We will link the, um, the article to this episode as well. And um, it's important that we keep reading. It's important that we keep listening. At the beginning of this episode, and I think in the middle as well, um, Sister Ido talks about how it's important to listen to your child. Yes, children exaggerate sometimes. Yes, children have got disruptive behaviours and all these things. But no child should go through what this boy went through. And that is the point, the key thing that we wanted to focus on today, for you to listen to that story, for you to understand the reality of what's going on. But also there is something really important that um, Sister Idol just mentioned, mentioned as well about a comment that a colleague of hers in education mentioned about how this impacts all black boys nearer to their education than GCSEs. So if you unmute yourself, sis, and just briefly tell us a little bit about that. 
Um, yes, Ifra, um, I've definitely um, noticed that this kind of behaviour and, and almost targeted targets um, boys in um, black boys in GCC kind of um, during the GCC year. So that could be late year 10 going off onto year 11. And um, by that, I mean, obviously, there could be destructive behaviour, but it's, it's taken to the extreme and they've been suspended. And I think teachers need to be held accountable and they need to be tra maybe trained even and um, safeguarding needs to be put in place on when children are doing their exams which is a life kind of defining moment that should be absolute last resort that should be at, not even on the table of suspension or exclusion because that can impact them moving forward in their lives so I think we need to reevaluate the way that young boys especially um, ethnic minority especially black students are being kind of handed suspension so easily in a in a defining moment in their education I think that warrants a really good debate and I'm really excited to have um we'll try and get some teachers in there as well and I hope sister yeah. you can join us in that conversation because it would be really interesting to hear the conversation from all sides and it's important yeah. that we note when we talk about the targeting of these students and when we talk about the neglect of education we're not placing all teachers in the same boat. I'm a teacher myself. I would never do that. And we're not saying that all um, institutes are racist. We're not saying that. But we're saying there is something broken in the system. And this system goes across not just the United Kingdom, but the world, where the color of a child's skin and the culture and their way of who they are, or maybe even just because that particular teacher or that particular senior leader does not like the parent of that child and how they talk to them, that then goes on to the child. So there are so many factors that plays a role in this. And then at the end of the day, the child suffers. And the really, really good point that sister just made now, whatever happens up until when the child is taking, the students taking their um, GCSEs, a very life-defining kind of like a moment in the examination periods, the question that we're going to ask in our next discussion is, should they be excluded or should there be some form of way for them to still take that exam so that they don't lose out on that? Is that an alternative? But yeah, I think that's, it's, it's an interesting conversation that we're going to have, inshallah. But I want to know, where did your brother end up taking his GCSEs or sitting in his exams afterwards? Um, yes, so my brother, um, my mum, uh, she uh, thought, okay, enough is enough. He needs a change of environment. Um, he needs kind of um, to reboost his mental state, if it were, um, because it affected him. It affected him enormously. And um, my mum moved abroad with him um, because of um, circumstances around our family she had to move abroad so um she he retook his um exams abroad and he's actually um applying to university this year and um he's actually applying to study law so he's uh, yes yeah, so, and he passed alhamdulillah he got his results he passed he got really good marks high marks and he's applying for a really good um, university and studying law because he wants to change he the reason he um wants to study law is because he wants to change he wants to change how students especially black boys are are treated 
in the UK because that's you know where he's what? experienced. Sometimes yeah. the thing that's supposed to break you makes you. Yes. And yeah. who knows, maybe if he had a, a protected kind of educational upbringing and everything was okay, that maybe he could have gone into another profession or possibly yes. not even. We don't know what the path he could have taken was. Yeah. But the fact is, his family in playing that massive role of not giving up and removing him from that environment and taking him to that place kind of helped him shape his career and his future and like where he is now but I think the most important thing for us to note is mental health played a significant part in what he's been through the roller coaster of what he's been through and he could have like completely broken down and not carried on but it's so important to acknowledge to recognize and to empower the student himself because it is not easy to be removed from the country that you were born and raised in, your friends, your whole environment, to go to a new place and to do well in exams in another new place. He was, he was determined because he saw that his limitation, it wasn't him, it, he wasn't the issue. His, um, he was, he's able, he was capable. And he, it's just that, that unfortunate circumstances were that he found himself in affected his grades and affected his um, um, education but he when we removed him from that environment he all he wanted to do was make change he wanted to uh, to contribute to the change and how young boys like him are um, are treated so I think it, in his circumstances thankfully it motivated him um, it affected him positively, but we can't say that for all us, all our young um, oh, black yeah, um, yeah. Um, boys and men. And that's the other yeah. thing. Um, we need to, yeah, we need to, a serious conversation needs to be had. Um, had. And the other thing oh. I wanted to mention is, um, not as you mentioned, um, Ifrah, you're a teacher. Um, mm. I, um, it's, it, we shouldn't, it's true that we shouldn't put all the teachers in one boat. But one thing I did notice is there is a kind of um, an environment of kind of a practice where they close ranks. Because um, in right. that school, what I noticed the head teacher closed ranks. He was trying to protect his teacher, but he wasn't trying to safeguard the student. He wasn't trying to protect my brother's rights. He was more an advocate for the teacher. And he kept saying, my teachers, if I don't do this for my teachers, if I don't do that for my teacher. If I, and I didn't hear him once advocate or mention how does this affect my student or how did this affect my um my pupil or the person i'm the head teacher for because i don't i think you need to you need to understand that that head teacher is responsible for both the teacher and his pupil in an environment and not just for an, an, an a person that he's that, that that's getting a paycheck to be honest from the school yeah that's really important i think um on some um in some tiny defense of the reason why yeah. that happens is i'm not just saying like this particular situation is very very wrong handled but there are situations yeah. which on the other side uh, um where teachers are being accused of things left right and center and if okay. those um sometimes it could be the smallest thing sometimes it could be the most extreme accusations so head yeah. teachers he did his job wrong right that's yes. like i like i obviously wasn't there in the situation but from what I'm hearing and the fact that the law got involved and the fact that this child 
had their entire examination and everything impacted. That, to me, just doesn't sit well with me. I feel uncomfortable hearing the story. However, in an ideal situation, when something happens, obviously it has to be investigated, right? And proper procedures or whatever the school policy is has to be followed. And this particular school policy makes no sense to me. But the head teacher's first priority would be to kind of yes protect the teacher and kind of making sure that they're okay so that you know they don't get accused of like serious things and it doesn't impact them fine but you're right the child also has to be protected it needs to be both corners everyone step away for a second let us see what happens interview who was involved figure out what happened look at the facts and figures look at external things if you need to and then reach a decision a one where both parties feel respected protected and cared for but for you but for the educator for the head teacher for the person in charge to pick one side and neglect the other and have the secretary or the TA be the person that tells the child, sorry, but you cannot come to school for seven days with no explanation, with no work to continue while you're at home. That makes no sense to me. That's the point where you have to be like, sorry, but are you really even a head teacher though? What's, what's going on? So yeah. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Makes sense, but not yeah. in this kind of situation yeah yeah and that's and that's one of the things that we need to stay informed as parents as carers or as siblings or, or children in education because i've seen a lot of instances that children are just sent home and i just found out through my brother's experience that it's actually illegal to just send a person home um without any reason or just uh, informal informal exclusions or suspensions are actually illegal and the amount of times that and um, that happened to my brother that he was just like sent home and if we, we never got the lawyers involved and we never actually took the time to kind of investigate then we would have no idea and that's the other thing this was a whole head teacher that was doing this so even accountability continuous training i think that there needs to be um safeguarding there needs to be practices in place and they used then there needs to be continuously updating the way that the head teachers and practices. teachers are trained yeah. Yeah, they're, they're practicing. Um, and are they within the law? Are they within educational law, the way they're treating the ch students? I think, I think that's a, a thing, yeah. On the other side as well, um, like, again, I'm not defending this school at all. This school is just yes. horrific. But from yeah. our school experience and, like, from, like, other things, I can tell you the pressure that the education system as a whole is under and the school is under and the teachers are under, like, yeah. it's so extreme that yeah. to a point where they start to lose their kind of human connection to children in a way. Because that's what we started wow. with. Uh, education is not just textbook. Education is about building the holistic, like, you know, development of this young person that's in your institute. And not just giving them maths, English, science and other subjects, but actually introducing them to the world and kind of teaching them that's what teaching is to me and that's why i went into this profession that sometimes when the class is done if a child comes to me with a random interest that they have in this world i would find a way for them to do something connect them with their parents to this or to that so that their interest and experiences they explore the world around them however there are days where i cannot even mark a book because of all the stress that we are under and all the things that are going on. But there are some people who allow that pressure to bring them down 
to a point where if a child is going through what this child went through, they don't look at the things that led to this point. They don't look at all of these things or simply they're just racist. And all they see is the color of this child and they just assume with the label, no, trouble follows you, therefore you're troubled. What you said about him being told to leave the assembly, what? No. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't he allowed to get signatures on his shirt. On his, and that, that's the thing that traumatized him. He was like, I don't even have signatures. You know, I, that, that's one defining moment I remember leaving. I that still white have shirt. mine. There we go. I, I, exactly. And that's the one thing I remember. I remember the different colours. I remember that day so vividly and so, because it was, yeah. a, it was, it was kind of, it's like, what, what is it? It's, um, it's, it's a, it's a kind of passage. It's a thing Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's one thing that I, I was so upset for him. And that's one thing that I affected him so much. I saw my brother cry that day and for him he just broke down and he broke down because he said I couldn't even get my friends to say goodbye to me and write their messages on my shirt I mean what why would the that's the question he asked he said why does she hate me that much that she doesn't want me to say goodbye to my friends which I'm not going to see again and that's the question why are why did why are they going to such extreme lengths you know for the for for this child to kind of I it's just it's just Absolutely. I don't, I don't even know how my brother survived that experience, to be honest, looking back. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing that I keep asking myself. Like, this is, like, when I said to you earlier, I feel like I'm listening to a script from a movie because this cannot be real life. But it is real life. It happened. And I think in episode one, we kind of briefly touched upon it when we were talking to the girls about, you know, racism in cultures, not just as a whole. Because racism in the eyes of the world, you see as black and white. And right now in the media, you're seeing it as black and white. But when you spoke about earlier, you said some of the students that were attacking your brother were Turkish. And because of that, the school can justify and be like, this is not a racist incident. Look at it, some of the students are Turkish. Do you know what I mean? But no, when the, like you said, the videos had like, you know, students saying racial slurs to him. And then in the episode, we spoke about how there are people who are Muslim, but they all have the labels of being Muslims, and they're all supposed to be from ethnic minority backgrounds in the same category. But again, the darker you are, the more less you are as a human being. So the color of the skin still has an impact, even within communities that are supposed to be same, or like, you know, ethnic minority, if that makes sense. Do you agree? Do you think that had an impact on that as well? Um, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. It's colorism, isn't it? And I've noticed that um, e even within the kind of um, the black community or the ethnic minority community, there's different experiences for darker and lighter people um, yeah. and kind of skin colors. I definitely agree. And it's, um, that's one thing. There's so much stereotypes. There's so much stereotypes and there's so much kind of um, about just generally because even going back to that government report um, and looking at the different kind of ethnic minorities and how the exclusion numbers are between them and it's 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 just looking at that you can tell that 
stereotypical to be honest it's really really stereotypical when a, when a certain person is from a certain background they're expected oh they're not troublesome they, they get good grades they put their head down does that make sense so there's always a stereotype within students and within different ethnic minorities as well and right. I've noticed that and I experienced that as well I experienced that because I, I like I said before I was refused to do levels that I, I believed I could because I was told I, I don't think you can handle that it's going to be too much pressure but it was that was my choice I was robbed of that in, in a sense but it, wow. it was given to it was given to other other students and I noticed okay but why are all these students Asian or white but why is it that I was I was refused does that make sense so it makes you question it and it makes you that that teacher could could probably not be racist I'm not saying that she was but, racist, but that person could be, you know, unconscious that, bias. Yeah, like she has that, you know, yes. because it's it's mm. there. Like you know, the idea that yes. you can't do this. Exactly. So this particular yeah. child possibly can, but you, yeah. I have selected you as can't, and that yeah. is so bad. And I don't understand why that person would call themselves a teacher. Mm. And like it the comes fact that to, you want to yeah. push yourself. Even if in the last exam you scored this, but you believe that you can actually do this higher paper, wow, show me, go for it. That should be the like the the voice of a teacher, not saying I don't think this is for you. But then again, it's a matter of sometimes mm. when it comes to the realisticness of it as well, because sometimes children could be quite ambitious and say, you know, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then later on, they don't have a form. And then you as a teacher have to explain why you place this child on this particular grade or this particular thing when really they were performing at this level, right? But then that's your explanation is because they thought they could do it. And you give them a mock exam or a test paper, just something to kind of at least even show them because the child said, I can try. Okay, let's try then. Here's a test paper. Here's an example. See if you can try. If they do, brilliant. So that means now you can. But if they don't, and then you say, right, okay, solution. How do they still want to push themselves? There's always a solution. But then mm. the answer at the end of it has to be the child realizing maybe this is a bit too hard for me or maybe this is the, like, you know, the best that I can do. But you don't ever, ever shut down a child, especially if they want to aspire. That's the part that I don't like. Yeah, exactly. I literally, um, I remember I was refused to it. And then I, I ended up getting full marks on the GCC, on the, on the tier that I was forced to sit down. And I went on, I went back to that teacher and I said, I got full marks on this paper and you refused for me to do um, uh, the tier that I wanted to. And I said to her, I'm going to do A-level chemistry and I'm going to do A-level biology. And I am, and I, I, I like to prove to you that I was able and I was capable and you limited me. And she sat, she allowed it. I did A-level chemistry and I did A-level biology, even though- And you passed it. Yeah, even though my t the, 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 with his GCC, I was sat at a lower tier than I wanted to. And I could and I'm that limit. I'm so happy you yeah. said that because yeah. you know, in that conversation that we're just having, there would have been an educator listening, shaking their head, saying, uh, no, Ifra, because um, you cannot say that because children sometimes think they can. Because that's, you know how I said that? I've heard that conversation before. It was a maths, that example at that time. And this particular child was set at a lower tier maths, but they actually wanted to do the intermediate paper. And they were fighting to do that paper. But the teacher that was doing this, were like no 
they can't do it. They can't do it. This is what they scored last time. This is like a regular thing. And I don't want to be going through hassle later on. They need to sit this paper. And I didn't want to challenge another colleague because that would be kind of saying that they're wrong. So I just said, you know what? Fine. It's just, you know, but then I feel bad now that thinking about it and listening to you. But then again, that was their student. Should I have said something in their class? I don't know. But mm. um, the fact that you did do it, now, the GCSE level, but then you pass the A-level version of it. That is the biggest, I don't want to swear, but that's the biggest you can say to that teacher. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes you have to prove yeah. to these people. And then they're like, okay, I was wrong. Exactly. I, um, I, 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 and that's, that's one thing. I, I'm one of those people, I'm so resilient. I never give up. And that fact that she said no to me, I had to give up because that's the that's authority. That's the teacher telling you, you can't fight it any longer. But I went to her. I could have gone anywhere else. I remained in that school and I did A-level English, uh, sorry, um, uh, uh, biology and chemistry in her school, in her classroom to show her, listen, this is what you were telling me I wasn't able to do. And, and I was commended. Like the whole department was talking about it because I got 100% marks on that exam paper that I did I didn't miss one question and I was limited imagine if I was given what I wanted so that's what I'm saying even though children are ambitious sometimes and they do overexert themselves and then sometimes does say okay they end up failing but I think we should also consider that this child yeah give them the chance and then see because you know there's so there's a whole year you can move them up and down and you kind of see what's going on and it's I think definitely I think definitely don't limit a person's ambitions if they if they believe they can do it amazing why not why not I agree and you know what to kind of because there's again a thousand things that I could talk to you about but I have a feeling that if you don't mind I'm going to ask you to come back again to kind of touch upon some of these really really important conversations that needs to be had because um it's not just a one-time hashtag it's not just a one-time like a conversation is a continuous important dialogues that needed to be had and right now we're having this conversation like you know between us but it would be interesting to hear when other people are in the conversation even having the opportunity to actually speak to a head teacher in this conversation and ask them some of the things that we've talked about today and to even have students themselves join the conversation and hear their reflection and what they're going through i hope one day your brother's like confident enough to not just with this podcast or anything that he feels comfortable with share his story himself whether he's on a school stage or on a like a political meeting but I am so proud of him and I don't know him I'm proud of him as a teacher I'm proud of him as a Muslim I'm proud of him as a Somalian and I'm proud of him as a human being because what he's been through could have broken him but instead he persevered and that is incredible and I hope students who hear this who are in a similar situation realize, and parents as well, when your mom pulled him out of that environment, that's when he started succeeding. And so do you think parents, when the child is like at that point where there's no solution at all, children should be removed from the school? I'm 100%, 100%, and that's one thing that I live by. I live by that rule, and I've implemented it on my own children as well. Um, I make sure that they're comfortable in the environment, and they feel like they 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 matter. They are being listened to, and that that they're treated fairly. Because 
children are they they do pick up on their surroundings i've told like i said about my five-year-old she picked up on her surroundings that that made her, made her doubt her color skin so children are even though that they might not kind of um uh, elaborate they might not kind of say it or they not, might not um, explain to you but you can understand they pick up on so much so if the environment is a bad environment and your and, and it's affecting the child the child's um, education it's affecting the child's moods mental health then i think definitely remove that child from the environment because and don't blame the child don't think oh my child's a bit problematic or this child's just um disobedient i think listen to your child trust your child and always kind of um just talk to your child you need that ongoing conversation and and always set boundaries because you can say okay listen i understand where things are going wrong and why th this is not working but you have to also hold them accountable for their actions because even though my um brother was being unfairly targeted we also made sure that we said okay you need to be accountable of how of what you did as well uh, of even though this was absolutely unprecedented and what happened to you but always think about where could you have um, you know changed things where could you have maybe avoided something even though he was in his he was in his um right kind of um in his rights and the way he acted we also showed him the other side so it prevents him from kind of becoming um angry just becoming angry at, at, at people and institutions and authority figures does that make sense yeah yeah it does and i think that's the other thing that um because you know what every time somebody speaks about the darker side of any institute, whether you're talking about the police, whether you're talking about government, and now we're talking about education, the defense on the other side will always say, yeah, but what about the person themselves? There were people when George Floyd died right in front of us, live being recorded, who were like, yeah, but he stole a 20, he had a fake $20 um, bill or something, and he had a criminal past record, or this, that's not the point. All of that is irrelevant. What we saw was what we saw. And in this particular situation, we're talking about what the student has been through. And there'll be people who are listening to this that'll be like, yeah, but he barged past that teacher. Yeah, but he threw a punch at that student. Yeah, but he could have done this. Yeah, but he could have done that. There is no yeah, but he could have. Yeah, but no, but. You have to look at the person's pain, but also, yes, consider the other part as well, but do not ignore what the person has been through and in this particular situation this student has been through a lot and that is what we're talking about exactly a hundred percent and so in a final summary what has it taught you as a parent and as someone who's been an advocate in a way like your whole family have been advocates but what message would you say the lesson that you've learned and as a final message would you say to parents students who are possibly going through a situation where their child is complaining about situations at school but they're not really sure how to go about it yeah um so i think i'll start with the lessons learned um and i can't say that say this enough and I'm, I've, I've been repeating this quite a lot i think this, the the three main things, um, number one is definitely trust your child. You know your child the best. Um, and um, 
I think definitely that open communication with your child um, and also just educate your child educate them on what's acceptable and what's not in terms of just the environment they're in and whether that be racism or that teacher student kind of relationship um i think definitely educate your educate your children make sure that they know what's right and what's wrong and they and the boundaries and um yeah. the advice i would give parents that are going through this is never think okay this is an authority this is an institution they're always right don't trust just because they are the authority figure figure um i would definitely say if you think it's uncomfortable if you're uncomfortable with the situation and you think okay this is definitely not right and you think that you're being unfairly treated there are charities i'm sure if i would link these below mm, and these yeah. are these are they don't charge you they are um, completely free and they are there for, for families that are going through similar problems and unfairly treated in education and in schools and I think definitely um, stay informed look for these kind of organizations and charities and and have a discussion with them and just you know it could be that you're overreacting or it could be that you are being unfairly treated but at least you've tried never don't don't just give up always follow through if you have an instinct or a feeling that something's not right with your child or the school or the, the way they're treated definitely go for opinion um, second opinion or just reach out to advocates and explain yeah. the situation definitely and so also, i think that's important I, yeah and i just think also the most important thing is peace as well because yes all of these dark things are happening and it's completely wrong but we will talk about this further in like a future episode when we talk about um the disconnect between parents and teachers and the whole school as a whole because sometimes when a one particular parent has an issue with the teacher or an issue with the head teacher that parent goes into whatsapp mode and that views spread across all parents in groups and things. And then that um, parents and other things suddenly have a negativity, which the unconscious bias goes into the parents and the teachers as well. And it's sometimes easier for us to, with our tongue, automatically say teachers, right? And then parents. But there are so many other people who have a role in the school. People who are dealing with this, you know, the Senko team, the behavior management team, the SOT, the TAs, and there are so many, there's an army of people who are supposed to be working together to protect the, um, the students in that, in that institute. So everyone has a role to play. And as we close the summary of this episode, that is who this episode is dedicated to, to everyone who has a role in the development and the education of a child and a student in your in your in your classroom or in your institute see them beyond their color and support them beyond their color because you're not just there to teach a child maths english science and core subjects that is a human being that is trusted with you from 8:45 to 3:30 or whatever your school opening hours are but please just see them beyond like the biasness of what you have created and the education system like we said is in immense stress so we are not under any circumstances here to attack all teachers or attack all head teachers or all schools you are already going through the most so this is not about you at all it just goes few institutes where there is something that's not quite right and as sister idol said 
there are situations where this is not a conspiracy theory, it's actually a conversation that's been had where just before the GCSE exams come, somehow black boys are excluded. Why is that the case? And why were the boys who are not of color, who 20 of them attacked a student who was black, why was he excluded? And why were the others not excluded? And the excuse was because they had exams to sit. That's when we are accusing people of systematic racism in education. And when we come back in the episode that's following, we're gonna discuss that further. We're gonna have other teachers and people here, but thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you soon. And like we said, this is a conversation that's not just now, it's going to be had. And Sister Ido, final word, thank you so much for joining us. And last thing that you want to say to everyone before we close. Um, thank you for having me. And please just educate, educate, educate yourselves, your children, just educate each other. And thanks for tuning in. All right. Salam alaikum. <laughs>